0: what i'm afraid of right now is the same thing i've been afraid of for for years like it's it's a fear of making the wrong choice
1: welcome to the shut up show this is the brave solopreneurs podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen inside every episode you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. I am your host and chief shut-upper of Making Shit Happen, Bernie Schoen. Now, on to today's episode.
0: Now we're on. (laughs)
2: And yes, we are on. We are on for another awesome episode of The Shut Up Show. I'm your host, the crazy robotic dancing host, Bernie Shung. It never gets old, you guys. It never gets old doing my stupid robot dance before every episode. But hey, I've got to have some skills, right? If I can't be the best podcaster, I'm going to be the best robot dancer. But anyway, enough about me. This is not about me today. We've brought on an amazing guest today on the Shut Up Show, somebody who I know I've stumbled upon him before. He's been on a bunch of podcasts. He's uh, made a lot of traction in social media, but even greater, <laughs> we'll talk about that, I'm sure, but uh, but even greater, this person was connected to me through a mastermind friend of mine, Charlie Posnick, who said, I know somebody who's perfect for you to have as a resource because you're a new author and as well as being a great guest for your show. And so anytime a friend tells me that I need to meet somebody I jump on it, and there we have it. We ended up getting Nick Loper of Side Hustle Nation and the Side Hustle Show. Welcome to the show, Nick.
0: Thanks, Bernie. What's going on? What's uh, what's your book about?
2: <laughs> My book is called the Brave, the Year of the Brave Bear, and. Uh, it's a long story, but quickly. My first name is Bernadette, and in French it means brave as a bear. So in the book I talk about how I never felt brave all my life, and I started kind of chasing that, that you know, trying to understand how did I come up with this, like how did I end up getting this name, right, when I've been a scaredy cat all my life. And so the book is about learning to tell the truth, stop waiting for permission, and to begin speaking out and standing up about all the things I believe in. And and that's yeah that that's cool. it in a nutshell <laughs> awesome. i need a i need a better 7 second elevator pitch <laughs> than that but <laughs> but thank you for asking <laughs> So, so, Nick, um, again, welcome to the show. We're so excited here. Um, if you're joining us as, as a new Shut Up Show listener or a new person to, in the Brave Bear community, um, what we're doing here is we're having a conversation about navigating through fear. You know, we as solo entrepreneurs or people who have been desiring to build your own business, um, it's a it's a rough road you guys it's a rough road emotionally and mentally I can attest to that I've been doing this for seven plus years i I've been doing this podcast for over 18 months now and every single week I'm still afraid regardless of how many amazing entrepreneurs I get to talk to every single week so you're not alone and we bring in people who are not only smart about you know their subject matter area but then who are also saying you know what I'm scared too. So let's talk about these fears and let's help each other navigate through them. So, Nick, with that, I know that was a very, very long intro, but I would love for you to share with the Shut Up Show community your pivotal moment in your life. Maybe the time when you can remember the most where you realize, holy crap, enough is enough, this is it, and I'm going to go start doing that thing I've been talking about. If you could share that with us and tell you, tell us how you got to the work you're doing today, that'd be amazing.
0: Wow. Well, it is. It is a stressful road, and I'm glad you bring that up. I like, you know, I joke everybody. I used to have hair. You know, I pulled my hair out doing this stuff. It's uh, so there. There are probably several pivotal moments, um, but I'll, I'll share a couple. The first one is in college. I accepted this internship for a. Um, they called it a, a, a college painting company, and so what they would do, they assign you a territory, they assign you a zip code, and say, you know, for the over the course of the summer. It's your job to paint as many houses in this territory as as humanly possible, and they give you some you know sales training and some paint training, and then they just kind of set you loose and say you know go to town. You're gonna to have to hire people. You're gonna to have to do this, this, and this. And I remember like this is this is, I went to school in Seattle, and that's where I grew up. And so I'm sitting there in my truck in like you know a cold like rainy March evening, and the way you would get clients is cold calling, door to door, knocking on doors, ringing doorbells. And being like, hey, I'm Nick. I'm gonna, you know, uh, be painting a ton of houses in the neighborhood over the summer. Can I stop by and uh, and give you a free estimate this weekend? And he was just like, I remember sitting in sitting in the truck, like I scoped out a neighborhood. I think is gonna be a good, uh, you know, it looks it looks promising. You know, like single family houses, and like, okay, this seems it seems reasonable. And just like trying to psych myself up to get out of the get out of the car and go ring that first doorbell. And like practicing my, you know, practicing my spiel, and it, it was just like, cause nobody come, nobody comes to the door anymore. Like it's so weird, you know. And, and well, it, unless it maybe
2: out. like you're with Jehovah's Witness or something like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, it's like all of a sudden somebody rings a doorbell. Like, oh, I wonder who, I wonder who's here. Like, is my friend here for some reason? Like, why wouldn't they text first? But and so it's like you're, you're. It's very disruptive. It's very personal. And I was really kind of conscious of that and it, that was that was a tough barrier to break down but it was the realization like look nothing nothing's ever going to happen if I keep sitting in this truck like you know getting nervous about this and so it was kind of in the first house I think you know finally built up the nerve and nobody I think nobody was home at the first house It was like phew like okay that that was okay and then so you go to the next one and they probably are like no, go away. And you're like, well, that, I'm still alive. You know, it's not, it's not life-threatening. And you kind of just work your way down the street. What I would do, I would run in between the houses or jog in between the houses because I figured, uh, you know, number one, I, that was a productivity hack. I could get more done, I could get get through the neighborhood faster, and it would be, you know, it would look more, you it, it would look more enthusiastic. You know, somebody jogging up to the the doorway versus somebody like, you know, trudging up the driveway with a clipboard. And so I think that probably played into my favor. Like, whatever this guy is selling, it must be great because he's, like, you know, really, really trying to bust it out in between the houses. And so that was, you know, kind of the the first sales experience in a way. And that was, I think, an important one to to get over. And, and the kind of at the end of the summer, so you go through the summer and, like, you know, never mind actually having to paint the houses. That's a whole another challenge in itself and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But at the end of the summer on the company's like intranet for all the interns to kind of like post their, you know, stats and war stories and stuff like that, they post an article that says, hey, we're sorry we ruined your life. I'm like, well, that's a, you know, a good clickbait headline. Let me click on that and see what that's about. And it was about like you're not going to be able to work a regular job. You're not going to look at business the same way ever again. And it was so, so true You just in that way. It's like once you've had that taste of of the you know uh, the you know the thrill of closing a deal or the uh, the entrepreneurship spirit, it was really tough to go back. And so I did end up getting a corporate job after um, you know after college because that's that's what you do. And so the other the other pivotal moment that I'll share was uh, so I moved across the country. I moved from Seattle to uh, the Washington D.C. area. And was just like, what am I gonna do? Like nights and nights and weekends and didn't really know anybody outside of work. And it's like, okay, it's fun to hang out with these people, but can't do that every night and I don't wanna be the person who's like sitting around watching TV. So that's when I decided to make the make the investment, you know, or really get more into the affiliate marketing world, the online marketing world. And that was when I had the um, the original version of of shoesniper.com bill. That was my first real side hustle. And that was that was a big, big bet at the time because it was like a, a ten thousand dollar development cost. But it was, you know, it's one of those, one of those uh, you know, fork in the road, one of those transition moments that you're talking about that was like kind of okay, this this is the path that I want to go on, and it's willing to I'm willing to invest in that.
2: Wow, that's crazy! Like I, I couldn't even picture that. I mean, seriously. I mean, we always hear about like these whole door-to-door salesman experiences and whatnot. But I really love, I, I love the next part where you talked about that. We're sorry we, we ruined your life or whatever it is. I really, that's such catchy copywriting. Seriously, it's so clever because it's true. Once you've had a taste of that independence and that, the freedom to create as much. Wealth as you want to, but you've just got to, you know, work harder or work smarter, right? But right. I love that. I love knowing that you have the freedom and the responsibility to choose how much wealth you want. Um, I, I really think that's where the mindset started to change for me personally, as somebody who wanted to keep pursuing entrepreneur um, entrepreneurship. For you, as as I'm thinking about your story and kind of like trying to connect the dots here. Let, let's kind of go into you know the the definition of side hustle because I think everybody might have a, a different way of describing what that means. For you, when you decided to have a side hustle, or you know even starting your show and your blog and your brand, side hustle nation, what did those words mean to you? What, is, what does what a side hustle mean to you in your definition?
0: Well, for me, it's a it's a lower risk brand of entrepreneurship, right? It's like if I am not going to be jumping off the cliff, and I'm probably not going to be you know raising venture capital or you know ringing the bell at the Nasdaq, but here's something that I can do proactively in my spare time to to set myself up for a better future, you know, in the near term, to just you know earn some extra income to help with my expenses or or just to build a little bit of a buffer because it's so it's so unpredictable. And it's you just never know what's going to happen, and so you you can be a little bit more self reliant on that standpoint. Um, That's that's what it's all about,
2: right? I love it, and I didn't hear about that the the side hustle term until I would say probably just about three or so years ago. So I mean, it immediately made sense as soon as I heard it. But you know, I always heard people calling it "I'm building my business on the side," right? Or I'm a one yeah moonlighting, or I'm a entrepreneur, or whatever you call it. But um, I love something that I read. Um, you said something along the lines of um, the nine to five will make you a living, but the five to nine will make you alive. <laughs> and I seriously love that. I think that is so fantastic because I think we live in the society where we have this tendency, we as just human beings obviously, we have the tendency to think it has to be all or nothing. You're either an entrepreneur or you're a corporate employee there's there's nothing in the middle right or you've got to work you know 24 hours on a business so you don't have time to go and work a regular job but i mean obviously from your experience you said what you do in the 5 to 9 is very important and that's where you become alive so take me through that i mean where did you learn the i guess the concept of the side hustle and being obviously i think you're risk averse but Deciding, I'm going to build the side hustle and work a couple extra hours longer instead of screw it. I'm too impatient. I'm just going to quit my job and just build a business from scratch. Like how how does one navigate through that and decide to do the side hustle as long as you did?
0: Yeah, that's the that's the challenge. And maybe some people are more like gung ho about it than me. But I was, you know, not not ready to you know totally cut ties and go on my own until I had like a, a proven uh, track record of you know of income of success and stuff. And and the funny thing is on day one of my, you know, retirement, Google came in and essentially shut the whole site down. They're like, well, you know, that my advertising account, which is like probably 80% of the traffic at that time. And they're like, Well, you know, you can no longer advertise with us. This is not this is not what we're looking for. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Like the last two years you didn't have a problem with this. I literally just turned in the keys to my company car. You you know, that was a, that was a crazy summer. But if I hadn't you know if I hadn't quit at that time I might never have because like that was like oh my god now now you know like something terrible could happen at any minute and you could just like right. have no uh, you know have no fallback so very scary stuff but no it's like if you can work mm-hmm. on something that you care about or you know something that you're you're building um, you know it's like this process of creation I think it has inherent value even if no one else ever you know so I blogged for four years and no one ever read it, you know, a couple of people probably like my family and stuff like that, oh, what's Nick up to? But it didn't have like any coherent message but I still think like the the process of writing, uh, you know, and, and just going through that on a daily, weekly basis, that had some value for me kind of like practicing the craft because if, if you if you let it atrophy and then you want to try and do it again, it's like, you know, an even an even lower point to start from. Right. So,
2: I love it. Yeah, I love it, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I I write about it quite a bit too, and I always talk about show up because you can, right? For for gosh, similar to you, I would say a lot of people didn't show up for my first web show that I did before this one. Um, maybe I had 3 viewers total that year, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but I I look back, you know, initially when I when I ended the show I thought to myself, "My gosh, what a loser." I mean, I saw that was horrible. But when I look back, I realized it was prepping me for the shut up show when I finally gave birth to a brand new show and then I knew right, right. what to do. So similar to what you're saying, I think it's practice and hone your craft and show up because you can, even when nobody's watching because eventually You know, then we have that magical overnight success. Where did Nick Loper come from? You know, where where did this guy come from all of a sudden? Um, he's been at this for several years, people.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, that's the thing, like uh, Zach Brown band, right? Like you know the uh, the, you know they have their first big hit, and it's like, well, these guys just came out of nowhere, right? It's like, well, this is like their eighth album or something. I don't (laughs) know what the real story was, but you know, crazy stuff like that. Um, it's just. it's a little bit of a, of a marathon and and that was the thing, like with the blog oh learning how to do WordPress, learning how to even do all this stuff that goes it goes on to serve you later on, like even if no one reads it, even if you never make any money from it right i wouldn't I guess I wouldn't encourage people to necessarily go out and spend a ton of money like on that, like you know getting a fancy theme or something like that, unless you have a, a business angle in mind, but yeah definitely i like I like that idea of getting started
2: right. I know this is kind of a big question I'm going to ask, but I get this quite a bit. I have a lot of clients, peers, friends, and they, they, when they first start out, it's like, oh gosh, Bernie, I just wanted to start a blog. I had to go learn those ten things now, you know. And then, and then, and then, I get those same questions that go, I just want to do, you know, a. Why do I have to learn B through, you know, J? And I end up saying, but that that's part of the way it works. I mean, if you if you have more time than money then you've got to do it yourself right but if you have more money than time then then hire that out tell you know okay. tell somebody else to do it so the question i have for you is when you have people coming in and coming to you for advice or looking for strategies from you and they're asking about like this you know, shortcut or what's, what's a way to cut down time or what's a way to cut down all the years that I have to spend because, Nick, I don't want to wait four years before somebody reads my blog. I know it's a huge question I'm asking you, but how do you help break this down into a strategy or a plan of attack for these people to just stick to it until it evolves as it will?
0: Well the biggest thing on that front is to like know your why find your why like why am I doing this what am I working towards why do I care about this Because if it's something like I'm just chasing the next you know quick dollar then you're gonna burn out and say like this isn't working I don't care about this you know there, there's some faster ways to to earn income like if that's if that's the primary target there's some some faster ways to go about that and probably the fastest way is probably selling. Some sort of service on a, on a freelance basis, or selling something that you're an expert in. Um, you know, a friend runs an SEO services company. Somebody else is doing like you know architecture stuff on the side. Like, there's there's lots of different ways you can go about doing that, and it's not as time leveraged as as something like you know it's not you know the passive income that everyone like elusively is chasing, but it's. It's a little bit faster, and, and along those lines, like, like I've heard some crazy stories. I took my first like lift rides uh, this weekend in Dallas.
2: How was that? I've never been in one yet.
0: It was it was super easy. It was super cool. I was talking with the guys, and they're saying, you know, whether this is a full time thing, whether this is a side hustle, and you know, one guy's like up to 30 hours a week doing it. Another guy I met, he's like, oh, I, ride, I drive a couple hours in the morning, I drive a couple hours after work, and you know, it, you know, it's just like one of these things. And so something like that, you kind of built in. Uh, you know with the new technology the sharing economy the airbnb stuff like that like that's another fast way to to get started with a a side hustle
2: you mean you can't just make money saying that i have a passion and i'm going to go chase it
0: <laughs> yeah the passion thing is is definitely a little bit overplayed I, you know if you're going to go like the blog or the authority site route or the you know the online you know personality type route like it's got to be something that you're at least interested in but I don't know. Like, what are you? I don't, like, it's a weird question. What are you passionate about? I don't
2: know. <laughs> right. No, I'm so glad that I, I'm glad that was your response because I, I get that quite a bit um, in the coaching that I do. People always ask me. They're like, "Well, don't you help people to find their passion? You know, don't yeah. you help people to make money? You know, using their passion?" And I'm just like, "What is that? I mean, how can that even be a tangible activity? I mean, <laughs> I don't understand it." So I always tell people, "You can't." find your passion. It's not hiding anywhere underneath a rock. It's already within you. Whatever it is that you want to do or or however it is you want to show up in the world, you already have everything you need within you or you have resources at your fingertips. So go out however you need to to earn the money or find fulfillment, whatever it is, because not everything you do is going to have a monetary return, at at least not necessarily right away. And some things that you're passionate about aren't necessarily the job you're going to have or the business you're going to build.
0: So right. like, so I'm really, really passionate about baseball but no one is ever going to pay me to play catcher <laughs> for the Mariners you know it's not it's just not going to happen that ship has sailed so it's has to have yeah. to have value to somebody else so
2: Right Right. So so as we talk about that a little bit more, I know we're kind of uh, you know tongue-in-cheek here, but I, I think these are important topics to talk about because I think that is where a lot of people get confused about, I'm going to start a business because it's something I'm passionate about. And, and that's fine. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I don't think that the passion alone can carry your business plan to be executed in a way where you can monetize smart passive income and live on a beach in Malibu, right? I mean, unless there's something very tangible in there you can offer your audience. So let's Talk a little bit more about the work you do with Side Hustle Nation, even your show, your blog—you know, wherever you want to take this conversation. But I'm curious to find out how everything that you've done up to this point, right, evolved into now this massive movement where you're helping people as the authority figure in helping them build their their side hustle and obviously sustain the side hustle until they see it grow. We
0: right. we just got done bashing, uh, you know, passion passion projects, passion businesses. <laughs> <laughs> there was like some soul searching last spring. It was like, what do I, what do I care about? You know, what um, what do I want to be known for online? What do, you, know, what do I want people to find when they search, when they search for me, right? And, you know, the idea of, of this, you know, helping people who are working corporate or who want to find, who want to find an escape route or want to find, you know, just something, something, a more productive way to spend their time. Like that was that was really exciting to me because that was my story like for me it was like 3 years of nights and weekends before i you know felt comfortable quitting my job and and to show people you know it's not and, and the fun part is now i've got an excuse to like try out all these different fun things you know talk to a bunch of people on the podcast and you know see what works see what doesn't and like as an example like my most recent experiment has been with linkedin like trying to see if i can generate traffic from linkedin right and i was looking at the numbers like last 30 days Zero point five percent of my traffic comes from LinkedIn. I was like, I had like this whole elaborate setup in Hootsuite. Like, I'm gonna post all these like you know evergreen articles to these different groups, and it just you know it didn't happen, and that's and that's fine too. So I'll share the results of that um, just along real along quick. Can along. I
2: can I guess where your traffic is probably coming from? Go ahead. Facebook.
0: Uh, very little from Facebook. Really? Yeah, oh, that mostly. shocks me. I don't know. I can bring up the analytics. It's
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> Mine comes from Facebook, and I hate Facebook. I seriously hate Facebook. It's like that chicken and the egg thing, but I can't stop because that's where everybody's engaging with me.
0: Well, that's that's pretty good. I don't. I don't know. Like, and this was something that came out of the the conference this weekend. Okay. Do you run a Facebook page or a Facebook group?
2: Yes. Yes. Both.
0: <laughs> Both. Okay. Because that's the thing. I just have the Facebook page, and you'll post, and it's like, okay, great. You know, 120 people saw this. And it's like, well, you know, and in this kind. It's more. It seems like more of a broadcast than anything. Right. Than anything else is kind of annoying. So I don't know. I'm working on working on some different things.
2: <laughs> okay. And anyway, carry on. <laughs>
0: All right. News traffic. Uh, 24 uh, percent or 24 percent direct, 50 percent organic, and looks like you know the rest. Of the other quarter would be social and referral. Yeah, and so that was kind of the the start of it to build a, a personal brand. It's something that you know still struggling with, like how do you how do you monetize that? Because I don't have a you know follow my proven six step system to internet riches, and in, you know that I can sell that package for you know dollars. But I'm so $1. glad that you.
2: I'm so glad that you don't. I, I really am. I can't tell you enough how many people I see out there right now, and I don't know that these people personally. I've seen their names pop up quite a bit. And I'm very happy for people to reach the level of success that they want to, the way they need to. But I, I think that there are a lot of people out there who are who are giving this false expectation and false hope for for newbies, and saying all you have to do is follow this formula and you can have the same exact you know success as me. Right. But you have to join my webinar. You have to buy my product, and then if you follow it, you'll you know you can mimic exactly what I'm doing. And and I think the problem with that. Similar to what you're talking about at the top of this conversation is it's, it's a marathon, right? It's not a race. So if we give people this impression that being an entrepreneur is that easy, then I think we're leading people down this path where they're probably not going to believe that they have to work hard to get there. And I think it's usually a fluke, or I think there are very special people out there who probably can literally have an overnight success, but I think those are few and far between. I mean, what's your take on that?
0: Well, that's why, you know, that's why the John Dumas story is so remarkable, is because it's so rare, um, because he, he took a risk, did something that no one else was doing, and is, you know, he's obviously a very good uh, promoter, but the cool thing, actually, the cool thing about that is, like, even if the podcast never took off the way it did, you know, he's talking to you know seven or eight awesome entrepreneurs every week and like some of that is going to rub off by osmosis right like mm-hmm. some of those ideas are going to are going to um, you know kind of find themselves into into his business and that's where you know a lot of the, the private mastermind came from all of the you know the fire nation or the podcasters paradise all that stuff and that's where the majority of the income is coming from now and it's just like you know from those conversations you know regardless the you know the podcast the sponsorship dollars are, of course, fantastic. I would love to make $40,000 a month for my podcast. But like that's a fraction of, of the business now. And so it's kind of cool to see where it's, where it's gone.
2: Right. Right. No, I, I think that's a great example. John has definitely done something amazing. And I think to remind other people too, I think this is still part of that conversation about overnight success. John has been an entrepreneur for a while now. And he saw success in the real estate that he was doing before. So it's not like he comes out of the blue with no previous experience right i mean his his overnight success probably goes back many many years before his podcasting
0: so right. well, he's got you know he's got like you know military experience to fall back on the real estate right. experience to fall back right. on and i think um, correct me if i'm wrong but like a six figure buffer to be like okay i'm going to take a chance and roll the dice to see if this is going right. to work but he's not going into there from a position of you know of scarcity or position of you know i need this to, right. to work tomorrow, you know I've I've got some time to play with it or a little bit of a, a buffer to play with it.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and I think that
0: goes. Oh, go yeah, ahead. So, yeah, so what I'm you know working on since I don't have my eight hundred ninety seven dollar you know buy <laughs> my you know step by step guide. So what I've focused on at least so far is kind of the the community aspect with like some small mastermind programs and then some one on one stuff to be like look if you want to talk through your idea like I don't have all the answers, but you know I have been in business for probably almost 10 years, and online business for about that time as well. And so like, there's just a lot of a lot of value you can get from bouncing ideas back and forth, getting some feedback, and stuff like that. So we'll see, we'll see we'll see where that goes. It's not as glamorous as like jump on my webinar and buy my thing and right. you know, let me share the income reports. So.
2: <laughs> and it's, again, it's A-OK, just like I said at the top of the conversation. I think what is so unique about you and that I'm finding about you here as we're talking, um, I just I love how disarming you are. I love how easy it is to talk to you. You seem very transparent um, in a very honest here's kind of how I did it, and I don't know everything, but there are some things I know, and I worked hard, and I was risk-averse, I was scared, right? And I'm sure you're still scared now. But the really cool thing is I love that you position yourself as a side hustle guy. Like, I don't know if anybody's called you that, but when I think of Nick Loper now, I'm like, oh, he's a side hustle dude. Like, like that's who I would refer people to if anybody was talking about, oh, how do I build a side hustle, or, oh, how do I, I make I, it through, right?
0: My, my branding is working. Nice.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly, because even if I don't remember you exactly, I'm like, oh, yeah, I talked to Nick that side hustle dude here yeah. I'll tell you I had to get this to website but um, but you know we talked here a lot about you know different strategies uh, for the mindset we talked about tangible things that that you did to navigate through your fear but I somehow have a feeling that fear doesn't ever really go away you know no matter how good we get at it I feel like we can't remove fear completely nor should we because in my situation and, in a, and a lot of people who talk to me here on the show fear sometimes fuels us to be creative and to do riskier things and to put ourselves out there the way we probably wouldn't if we didn't have that urgency. So the question I have for you right now is a magic question of the hour. So Nick, what are you afraid of right now?
0: What I'm afraid of right now is the same thing I've been afraid of for, for years. Like it's It's a fear of making the wrong choice. And I was talking with I was talking with John Acuff, you know, and it's like the subtitle of his book, like punching fear in the face. And so people will ask him, like, what's it like to be done with fear? And He's like, you got to be kidding me! Like, it's still, it's a, it's a companion on your journey every step of the way. And what I mean by like fear of making the wrong choice, like I grew up in, you know, in the in the standardized test generation, right? It's like very much like you know, fill in the right bubbles, follow these steps. And, and there's a lot of like validation. I was addicted to the val- the validation from those tests. Like those were the best days in school. Oh, we're getting our tests back today. Like, oh yeah, I crushed <laughs> that one. And
2: somehow, and, uh, I guess you were an overachiever too, weren't you, Nick?
0: <laughs> I w- I was good too. School school came it came relatively easy for it because it was like you know it was a, a formula you could follow, and probably ninety percent of it was just showing up. And and so that was you know we figured out how to how to do well. In school, but like you know, as as an adult, like there's this fear of making you know, making the wrong choice. In in like probably the biggest one that 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 still weighs on on my wife and I is like uh, the real estate decision. So making the wrong choice, buying a house in 2007, wrong choice, and now uh, selling that house. In 2012 or something has also turned out to be the wrong choice. It's like because now it was like you know the market was tanking and now it's like skyrocketing back up. And we're just like you know, so it kind of makes you gun shy on uh, you know on a lot, like pulling the pulling the trigger on any of these you know quote unquote like big decisions. Right. But the way I don't know, I don't know if there's a good like workaround. like in. <laughs> Now this is this is one this is a really cool book. It's called like the Ten Distinctions Between Millionaires and the Middle Class, and he talks about how how millionaires view risk. And he's they ask they ask these three questions. Um, you know what's the you know, what's the best case scenario? What's the most what's the best thing that can happen? You know what's the most likely thing to happen? And what's the what's the worst thing that can happen? And he's like if you can if the most likely thing is a positive and and you can live with the worst thing like that's not going to bankrupt your family or put you out on the street or whatever like maybe that's a risk worth taking and it's just we think about like the decision should i start a blog it's like it's not life threatening yes or no it, but it could <laughs> it could be life changing like it's it's like these little things there's there's big upside and probably very little downside to a lot of the decisions we look at
2: Right. No, that's great. And can you repeat the name of that book again?
0: It's called um, The Top Ten Distinctions Between Millionaires and the Middle Class.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to check it out. That sounds really no interesting. Because it, it goes back to that conversation about mindset, right? I mean, like the, to, be, to, to get in the head of someone who has reached monetary and financial success and I'm sure you know other awesome goals in their lives too I, I think it comes back to when you take a look at a champion athlete for example I mean we have the tendency to talk about Tiger Woods quite a bit in our society so it's like it's always the mindset isn't it I mean w- would you agree with that Nick where where you, you strengthen the mindset muscles um, in order for you to to even get to a place where you can even feel comfortable and confident and responsible enough to own the other things that come with that What do you think?
0: There is a mindset. I'm glad you brought that up because it's like I like to talk about the the experimenter's mindset. The think think like a scientist. You know, on any you know if it's related to side hustle, related to you know whatever is going on, because like the scientist in the lab, you think he's like got his test tubes and stuff. His his experiment never really fails. It either just you know proves or disproves his hypothesis. And so we're talking about this LinkedIn deal. You know. I had a hypothesis I could get some good traffic from LinkedIn and my I, I, was, I did not prove that. Um, it kind of like lessens the sting of, of failure because it's like, hey, I'm going to try this out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you know, that's okay too. I'm going to, you know, lesson learned. So That's, I guess, something I like to try and advocate. I
2: like that I, and I think I've heard that before, you know, thinking like a scientist. But yeah. I'm glad that you reminded us about that conversation because it reminds me of all of the engineers I brought on the show. Pretty much the majority of them are really good at rejection because they see it as like a science project. Like they've told me it. They've explained it to me like that. And I'm like, what? That doesn't mean, you know, like I get it, but like I don't get it emotionally because I'm not, you know, engineering at all. I'm not very mechanical or or science driven at Mm -hmm. all. But they're they're like, I don't see it as anything personal. They're like, I see it as I've got to go and hit, you know, I talked to Jia Zhang, by the way, who spoke at World Domination Summit, and he's the rejection therapy guy. (laughs) So when I asked him about that, he's like, I saw it as I need to hit 100 rejection, you know, uh, interactions. In order for me to succeed at my my experiment, which was to get rejected hundred times, and for me, like I, you know, I'm sitting here like my like my heart's pumping in my chest, going, "Oh my gosh, I have to get rejected a hundred times!" Wow, you know. But for him, it's like, "Oh, the faster I get there, the better." Then I finish my project, and I think that is interesting to be able to look things more of like a science project or a science experiment rather than taking it personally. Because I, I feel like the taking the it personally part. It's probably the part where we fear being rejected, and then that's probably the part where we are reluctant to go out and ask people for help or for money or put ourselves out there to begin with.
0: Yeah, it's so you know, going back to the cold calling thing, like it's so it's such <laughs> yes. like a personal rejection and getting the door slammed in your face and you know, people are like I don't believe in in cold calling. It's like oh, it's not like it's Jesus. Come on, you know, I'm just trying <laughs> to drum up some business. So, it, I, I loved his story too, and I loved how he was like you know going after these most absurd. Uh, you know, rejections and then all of a sudden people started to say yes. And so that was kind of a that was a really, really powerful moment about you know, putting yourself out there. If you don't ask, you're you're never gonna know. And I just recorded a, a podcast last night about, you know, my first sale in a bunch of different businesses. And it was like, you know, one of the one of the common themes was to ask for the sale. Like if you don't ask, yeah. you should be surprised if if nothing ever happens. Like, you know, it's like right. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure people know. You put it, put it out there, I guess.
2: Right, right. Give people the opportunity to give back to you because they right. want that thing that you want to give them. You know, and as we close out the conversation here, I, I am glad that we brought up rejection. I'm glad that we brought up Ja because he, it was funny when he was on my episode, uh, my uh, show, on his episode last year. I think it was about last year this time. He said that only a year prior to that, he had felt like such a loser because his software startup failed to get any kind of venture backing at all. And so that's the reason why he started to go out and purposely get rejected so he can strengthen his rejection muscle is what he called it. And it's so cool to, to follow his journey since then because now it's like, what startup? You know, he's become right. the rejection therapy dude and I, he's rebranded his, his name, his blog, and his business and now he's helping people you know fight through rejection and I'm like holy crap you know if we go back to what you were saying about doing like you made the wrong choice right or that you made a mistake if, if he would have felt like that and never got up from that chair and decided to do the 100 days of, of rejection therapy he might not be doing the things he's doing today he might not not have signed this book deal he just got you know, to write this book about rejection, right? So like, I, I think about that and I go back to it and I feel like the answer here is we still have to take action no matter how scared we are. And even if we did feel that we failed or we didn't make the right choice, we still need to respond in a way that's constructive and productive so that we move forward and learn from that. So as we close up here, um, I would love for you to kind of have a closing thought on that As well as share with us what you're working on and how people can find your work, Nick.
0: A closing thought. I like. I definitely like. (laughs) Like Jerry Springer.
2: (laughs) Final thoughts. (laughs)
0: You never know. You never know where it's going to go. And so, like, I started. I started the podcast last year as, you know, kind of another little experiment to say, you know, is anybody going to listen to this? Is it going to be okay? And you know, looking back, you know, the first few episodes are pretty horrible. Like, they're very forced and they're not I'm not very comfortable behind the mic but it's been now it's like the highlight of my week and and you just having got back from the the podcast movement conference with all these other like you know high energy uh, you know podcasting people and it was like it's so much fun you just never know where these like seemingly little decisions like starting the rejection therapy are are going to lead you so that's, that's where I'm at with the Side Hustle uh, brand. If anybody wants to check it out, it's just SideHustleNation.com or if you, you want to check out the, the Side Hustle show, if you're interested in earning a little extra cash on the side, we explore a different business idea every week and kind of dig into some of that stuff. So, Bernie, thank you so much for, for having me. It's been a blast.
2: Oh, absolutely, and thank you for sharing you, your story, and all the awesome stuff you're doing. You're the side hustle guy for me from now on, and I hope the rest of the Shut Up Show community checks you out and checks out your work because I I guarantee you that there's a large majority of them in there who would be very interested in in the help that you have to offer them. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining the Shut Up Show. We are so blessed with all of the golden nuggets you gave us today, and we look forward to supporting you and your community. So keep us posted on Everything Goes. Awesome. Thank you. All right. All right, Shut Up Show. We will see you next week for another episode.
1: Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.